Welcome to the Currently Podcast. My name is Jasmine Porter, a freelance television and film professional. Each episode, I'll bring you a unique crew member from a different department to discuss their role in making a film. We'll give you exclusive behind-the-scenes stories and advice on how you can get your start, too. Thank you for joining us today, and welcome to The Crew Life. Hello, everybody. Right now, you guys are listening to The Crew Only Podcast. We are fully into season two, and right now, I'm here sitting with the amazing Danny Carroll, and I'm going to tell him this now because I probably haven't told him, but I really think he is Honestly, guys, he's so amazing, and just seeing the way he's worked, he always looks so professional, and, like, he always seems so calm, and, like, he has it all together. So I'm really excited to be here with him. Danny is the, is the producer's assistant on the NBC television show, The Enemy Within, and so today we're just going to chat about his journey and what it's like being a producer's assistant, um, and just giving you guys some advice and some information into what it's like being in the industry and we're just going to get into it danny so thank you so much for being here with me how are you good thank you for having me of course i I know i thank you for staying after work a little bit later than i'm pretty (laughs) sure that you had to okay you know so yeah i appreciate it so danny you are rudd simmons assistant Mm -hmm. um he is the producer for the enemy within Mm -hmm. can you tell me you know this is your first um job as being a producer's assistant so how did you you know get this job uh, so Rudd is, uh, so he's specifically the line producer, mm-hmm. and he was the line producer on the very first um, show that I started on. Uh, in that situation, uh, he actually didn't have his own assistant, um, so the three uh, PAs that were in the office sort of took turns taking care of him. Mm, okay. um, so all three of us sort of built up a relationship with him um, and, uh, you know, some of them he had known because, um, you know, he intermittently teaches at NYU. So some of them were former oh, cool. students. Other folks were people who he had worked with on, uh, you know, the pilot for yeah. um, different shows. Uh, so, um, so, yeah. So this time around, uh, I was just looking for work after I had wrapped um, being a production secretary on uh, the film High Flying Bird. Um, and I had been their cutting room assistant for a little while longer, and I was looking for work. And like you have to do at all times in this mm-hmm. business, I was sending out sort of those hustle emails, yeah. letting everybody know. I'm available. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it happened to line up um, perfectly with the start of this series. And, uh, you know, first email out to him, he was like, uh, we might have something, let me get back to you. And then two days later, he was like, they're <clears throat> allowing me to have an assistant on this. Uh, oh, would wow. you like to do it? And so, yeah, yeah, and that was that. So So, since this was your, you know, your first job, I'm curious of what you expected you would be doing. Like, what did you come into thinking, like, "Mm, as a producer assistant, what is that job role? Like, what are some of the responsibilities you thought that you would have? Um, Well, you know, I think from my experience, because I PA'd, I was an office PA Mm -hmm. for a long time before I sort of started doing other roles. Uh, and I feel like the different producers' assistants um, all seemed to sort of run the gamut in what they were expected to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people were expected to be more um, like personal assistants. Others uh, were expected to be just sort of, um, you know, like a classic secretary, yeah. like just taking care of correspondence and answering their phone, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then others were just sort of tasked with because uh, you know as a producer especially a line producer sort of everything comes your direction um, and there are some tasks that really just 
don't fit in any department. Uh, yeah. And so that's, so some producers, uh, and Rudd included, um, use their assistant uh, as sort of an auxiliary to themselves. When a task comes along that um, just sort of, they can't think of anyone else to delegate it to, it becomes the project of the gotcha. assistant. Okay. So, um, and that's, you know, that's a... Uh, that's a great sort of way of um, because you're interacting with every single department exactly. And when you know uh, when you have a producer who is willing to give you these these sort of projects and sort of trust you with things, you have a bit more autonomy. And sometimes, as a result, respect can, as well. Yeah, and can grow closer to the other people on the production because um, you know it's vitally important. Is this business is endlessly developing good relationships mm-hmm. with people, no matter where they are on the crew, yeah. you know, from from PAs to costumers to wardrobe supervisors, everybody, it's important to have just a good relationship with them. So, so can you take us to through a typical day? So, like, when Danny gets up, <laughs> like, on a Tuesday or Wednesday, you know, quickly, what does a typical day look like for you? Well, so in this, um, since we were out in New Jersey and I was located in Astoria and Rudd is located in downtown Manhattan, um... You know, the day started with me picking him up for our commute. So. And that was, you were responsible for getting him to work in mm-hmm. back To and home. from. Okay. So, you know, chauffeur, chauffeur duty in many ways. <laughs> um, but it was great because that gave us... Was it on us, weekends as well? No, no. Okay. You know, weekends off unless there was work to be done. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, um, but yeah, so we would commute probably 45 minutes each way every day and... and that was actually really great because it gave us an opportunity to not only sort of recap uh, about work mm-hmm. and what was coming at us that day and what would be expected of me, but it also gave us an opportunity to sort of talk about the business. And it yeah. gave me um, the opportunity to, every day, to sort of pick his brain. And he would give me, you know, he would ask, do you have questions about what we're doing? Like, See, that's amazing to, to have to a producer or anybody you're working with mm-hmm. or under be willing to share with you. Absolutely. And I don't think... I don't think when you're a producer's assistant, I don't think that sort of relationship is guaranteed. Yeah. I do think, though, I've seen it more often than not, mm-hmm. that, um, that you know, a producer really is uh, tuned to the fact that their assistant usually wants to do what they want to do or something related to what they want to do in a significant way. Uh, and so at least the good ones feel a responsibility yeah. to educate, you know. So once you pick him up and you guys get to work, mm-hmm. what are some of the tasks that you are doing throughout the day? Uh, well, you know, it really starts with, do you have everything you need? So um, any paperwork that had come out overnight, just making sure that uh, he's fully equipped with all the information mm-hmm. he needs. Um, what's great is, you know, I, I don't necessarily have to be 100% in control or uh, aware of okay. his schedule because, you know, production um Production keeps Crazy. schedules as well, but you know, prep schedule, call sheet sometimes does the job of, of you know keeping a schedule for him. So yeah. it's really just the stuff um, that comes up throughout the day that I manage in terms of his actual you know schedule. If people will come to me to say, "Listen, I need him for like an hour. Is there a time today mm. where he's got it?" And then I'll pitch a time, and then I'll bring it to him. Okay, and stuff like that. You yeah. Know? Um, but then I think once that sort of basic secretarial stuff is done with, um, you know, I go to my desk and I say, what is this, what is the long-term stuff? Um, for example, on this production, we had a, uh, uh, relationship with Microsoft, um, that went beyond just product placement. You know, we had things that were being featured. We had segments that, um, you know, were showing off their devices in a, 
um, you know, in a significant way. So we had to coordinate with them days that Microsoft would visit us on set, have their own, you know, shoots with us. And that was really something that was dragging him away from focusing on the production. So and you so kind of got to take he, that responsibility exactly. over and handle it. So a perfect example of something that comes his way from the network that, you know, we must oblige, um, but he might not necessarily have time for. So it was put into my purview to sort of make sure uh, that that task was being considered uh, yeah. and taken care of. So again, it's um, sort of autonomy, figuring out what I needed to do that day to get that done and then updating him throughout the process yeah. to where we are. Um, and then checking in with him throughout the day as to if he has any more needs, if he wants, he has somebody I need to get in touch mm-hmm. with, if he has, there are more paperwork that he thinks he needs. Um, uh, yeah. So that sort of thing. Did you ever have to, you know, be in contact with the studio and handle things with them? Absolutely. Uh, I think, I mean, a huge part of a line producer's responsibility is communicating with the studio Mm -hmm. uh, and with the network, um, understanding what they need. Um, Danny, do you ever have to correspond with the studio? Yep. Uh, A big part of the line producer's responsibility is talking to the studio um, and the network responding to their needs and also you know keeping them informed of what's going on in the production if there are um, things we need mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like you know sometimes we go over and you always have to get a studio approval if you're going over in a day which yeah. means you know you're, you're filming longer than you should be and our um, cap is what it was 14 hours with NBC right uh 12 hours okay. um but uh again there were little things um you know without going into too much detail there you know for different members of the uh, cast and crew there are sort of contractual things that would force us on certain days to only go 10 or Mm -hmm. or or something so monitoring that um was something you know he Rudd never really needed help with he was very much on top of that it was really just again communicating um to I guess the the Yeah. yeah the studio what they needed did you ever feel maybe um not overwhelmed, but maybe like not qualified or a sense of like nervousness that you're dealing with these, you know, executives at studios and you're like, do I feel really prepared to be corresponding with them? Or did you always feel comfortable doing that? A little bit. You always, you know, you always feel a little bit of the imposter syndrome when it's like, am I being bigger than my britches here? Am I, um, but I think, uh, you have to recognize that you, you know, you need, um, like very good communication skills to be an mm-hmm. assistant of any kind, um, especially in the office. You know, uh, even as an office PA, you know, you're answering the phones all the time. Your people everything. are coming in and out, yeah. and and if you are an excellent communicator, you're going to succeed very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, uh, I think I was confident in that ability. And so there was no never anybody. Um, that at least after the first interaction, I was nervous to yeah. to talk to. Uh, you know, again, especially dealing with um, you know our leads. Uh, you know, you're always a little nervous to talk to the talent, yeah. the stars of the show sure. for the first time. You can't help it. Everybody mm-hmm. feels that a little bit. I'm sure even you the don't producers know what to feel expect, that a little bit. You know? Exactly. Um, uh, and we also, uh, you know, we were shooting in New Jersey on this show, um, and since New Jersey was. Uh, 
you know, has a lot of sort of political stuff going on with tax incentives, yeah. et cetera, with, with filming in their state right now, we had a visits from a lot of politicians um, from time to time. And, and you, a lot of times you were going to meet them. Exactly, because again, uh, the producer has to, at all times, be focusing on the needs of the production. Um, so a visiting dignitary, you know, that's important. You don't want to make them feel out in the cold. Yeah. So you need to have, again, that auxiliary person who can go make them feel taken care of while you continue to sort of focus on your own responsibilities. Um, and, uh, and again, I enjoyed, because again, I felt confident in my communication abilities. I was never too nervous to sort yeah. of give a tour of the sets or, or just talk about what we were doing here. That was the sort of thing I felt on top of. You know, again, none of us, I mean, I shouldn't say none of us, but a lot of us don't feel quite uh, as organized um, mm-hmm. as we think we ought to be, <laughs> yeah. or, or we don't give ourselves credit Enough for credit how organized for sure. we are. And so I think it was, I was very nervous about that aspect of it. Like, oh, I have to keep not only my own calendar, but, but somebody his, else's, yeah. you know, I have to be on top of other people's. Um, I've got to manage myself and manage them. Right. That was the stuff that really made me nervous, I think. And uh, A, I think Rudd turned out to be a little bit more... Um, able to take care of himself in that regard so that if there was a slip up from time to time mm-hmm. it didn't feel like he was putting that on me yeah uh, like it was your fault and it was never you know there was never anything like that because the, his schedule was something that we were collaborating on I see I guess is the best way hmm. to put it it was never I'm gonna ignore my schedule please keep it for me gotcha I'm sure you're ba- people are bound you're bound to run into people who are like yeah. that in this industry but but yeah, uh, never felt that way. And I've also never really seen that. Yeah. See, that's interesting that you mentioned that because in my idea, or I guess in my mind, when I think it's like, they're like, I'm giving you complete control over everything. I need you to tell me when this meeting is, when I need to go here, when I need to be there. Right. But you're saying he had a little bit of control and was more aware of, you know, how his schedule was. Sure. He didn't just say, you need to just take care of everything. Exactly. Exactly. If it's on the prep schedule. He didn't need me to come in and tell him it was on the prep hmm, okay. I would. If I saw he was still in his office 10 minutes before a meeting, I'd always double check yeah. with him to see if he still planned on going to that meeting because other people want to know. Um, but again, it's the things that pop up throughout the day that aren't sort of planned by production itself that are the things that were most important for me to keep tabs on. Yeah. The ad hoc meetings, the people who would come up being like, I need him for half an hour and I need him soon. Mm-hmm. Like being able to make those people feel heard and taken care of and also making sure that he actually has the time and the ability. One of the things I always found interesting, and I don't know if somebody will find this offensive, but I always found it really weird if I ever ran into a producer or someone who kind of needed their assistant to come in and tell them, okay, your meeting is at 5, 7, 10, or whatever. And I'm like, if you're at this kind of role, how is it that you can't manage your schedule at least a little bit you know like I get that you're busy but is it that you come to a certain level that now just those basic things you just give over to somebody else you know it's just very interesting to me I think you can tell a lot about a producer based on how they use their assistant yeah and uh you know I always said (laughs) if if the you know if the producer looks super relaxed but the assistant looks like they're losing their minds. <laughs> Perhaps that's not the best relationship. Mm, yeah. But if they if they both look equally on task, and if you can see that the producer is delegating um, in a way that is proactive for 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 both parties, uh, and really 
again, utilizing the skills of the person that they have right, you know, right at their beck and call, um, that, you know, that's the sign of a, of yeah. a good producer. Um, yeah. So we're, you know, wrapping up. Today's Thursday, your last day is actually tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I can fully get this answer out of you. What are some things that you have learned? You know, you've been here, set, was it seven, eight months that you've been mm-hmm. on this job? Um, I'd say one of the biggest takeaways or sort of, uh, one of the biggest reveals was how much of a line producer's job is, uh, interpersonal politics. Hmm. Um, just explain it a little bit more. Well, just, uh, recognizing you have these huge entities, the network, the studio, you have this giant machine that is the production underneath you, um, you know, with, with people who are department heads with skills and knowledge that, again, a producer, no matter how good they are, they'll never know everything everyone on the crew knows. Yeah, like, they're not going to know everything that Grip is doing. And and so uh, you have to sort of have your finger on the pulse of this whole thing, how whole departments, as well as individuals, are responding to each other when there are problems, you know, knowing how grave that problem actually is in terms mm-hmm. of whether or not it's going to um, make the, you know, making the show uh, more difficult. Yeah. That's going to slow things down. Um, and yeah, just having to make decisions uh, that don't always make everyone happy. But, um, you know, again, it's uh, trying to do um, the most good, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What are some of the challenges that you that you've seen him face as being a line producer? Um, I don't. You know, again, he manages to, I think, take uh, a lot of things in stride. Um, and I think uh, throughout this production, um, there were times when. A resourceful idea, sort of a, a um, you know, something appeared at the very last moment mm-hmm. to sort of solve a problem. Yeah, and, some and sort of his his uh, his sensation that that thing, you know, before he knew what it was, that it was coming from somewhere. I think he seemed to know that more often than not. And you recognize that those are instincts you develop mm. uh, over a long period like of time. He knew before it actually. Right. Happened. So inevitably, you have that. You know, he would. Uh, he had a tendency to laugh when he was stressed, uh, which I think is good. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes uh, you have can, to just exactly, laugh. Can, yeah. uh, may we all be, uh, you know, <laughs> like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, again, it, it was it was times when you know it's a first season. Yeah. Uh, we were the first production in in this state in almost a, more than a decade. And almost we're two in decades. arena. Uh, yeah, that, that again, so many moving pieces and so many things that had no precedent to tell you were going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, I think just n- never really losing his cool and also never making anyone in the production at any point feel like. We're dead in the water. You know, we're doomed. Yeah. There was never ever that feeling, even when all signs pointed to so we were doomed. Oh God, you know, maybe yeah. we'll have to shut down the production today. That was never, and you know, and again, you have to recognize that when you're captaining a ship, it is your responsibility to sort of maintain that mood, that yeah, overall definitely. mood. Yeah, definitely. And that takes a, it takes a certain kind of person. Um, and again, you see in film and television, 
that's not the way every producer leads. Uh, no. That's not the way every line producer leads. And sometimes uh, somebody who might not necessarily have their finger in the pulse that way can also, uh, you know... Freak uh, out when things seem to be going wrong. Yeah, or, and do so, but also still manage to expertly pull off the production itself. You know, yeah. At the end of the day, really get it done and get it done well. You know, there are many sort of... Uh, many sort of ways to get it done, I think. Um, but I think there's some personalities for whom it works better. Yeah. I actually was um, talking to the production supervisor because I asked around, like, questions that people might want to ask, and he actually brought up a really good one um, that I didn't even really think about. And this is more for the producer, but he was saying, you know, how much of the line producer's job is creative as far as, you know, like corresponding with the writers and the talent versus also, you know, dealing with the finance side and the budget of everything? A line producer definitely uh, is, you know, focused more on on the budget and things Mm -hmm. like that. They're actually doing the, the, the... producing there's sort of the end of the production line you have the upm you have the production supervisor you have the production accountant all of these people are operating underneath the line producer which usually isn't the case for a mm-hmm. showrunner or an executive producer um so there is less of a of a creative role for a line producer than any other anybody yeah. else with that title however uh a line producer still very much has to be um supporting and uh helping to build that showrunner's vision, you know, the creator's vision. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, on this show, especially since it was, uh, since, um, you know, it's uh, a writer's, you know, first show, first season, you, yeah. he feels a little responsibility to make sure that this goes right. You know, he's mm-hmm. not going to take, um, you know, he's not going to be cavalier with that responsibility. Uh and so he has to consider the creative at all times. He has to sort of examine the creative choices being made uh, and be part of you know, the team that is um, maintaining consistency and quality yeah. in, the, in the creative um, side of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and would often, often um, meet with the executive producers and the showrunner and talk story, yeah. you know. Uh, even though you have the writer's room and the um, creator always goes back to his team of writers to mm-hmm. make these decisions, uh, if he, you know, Who or makes them, yeah, makes them himself, he, the line producer still will consult on story decisions, especially if that story decision has a major production component. On the budget, yeah. Like in this show, a lot of action. And some, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. <laughs> and some action sequences, even though they seem bigger conceptually are easier to do than some smaller things you know oh wow we've used boats boats are always a headache yeah but you know you you take a three-car pileup over using a boat many times you know things like that that you wouldn't expect Mm -hmm. um but yeah so for you do you interact with the cast at all and if you do interact with them you know what are some of your like i guess what are the main reasons that you have to interact with them um Again, as a producer's assistant, you are sort of a, a communication linchpin, and so you want to be open um, to to anybody's needs, especially if they're above the line. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, pr- you want to be able to take calls from anyone at any given time over any topic that might concern the producer, and be ready to have the answers mm-hmm. or find them. Um, so, luckily enough, I wasn't. You know, we had a cast that was very. Um, 
that uh, was pretty autonomous and, and was very good with our ADs. And, and so uh, I think a lot of my interaction with the cast came when we did um, an overseas shoot. Uh, and we shot in a uh, special location. Um, and as a result, we had much, uh, much fewer of our usual mm-hmm. um, crew. So I became sort of the assistant to everybody who left their assistant, yeah. um, you know, back in the States. And so... Uh, How was that for you? It was great. You know, uh, again, it was the first time I had traveled with a production. Um, and I feel like, again, the only reason why I was there was because over the course of this entire season had um, just put myself out there as, as somebody who You proved could, that you were reliable, yeah, for who, sure. And who could solve any sorts of, all kinds of different problems mm-hmm. that come our direction. And if there was anybody who, I've used this word a lot, but it really is what you are when you're an assistant, need to be an auxiliary, you know, to take on things that might not have been planned for, or um, that just, again, everybody else has so much more on their plate yeah. that they just don't have time to do. That's, you know, there's no um, <laughs> no shame in being the person that is saving everybody else's butt at the end of the day. So, Have you found yourself in any complications dealing with the uh, talent? Um, I would say, you know, nothing that was so strenuous on either of us that, it, you know, you could really call it a problem. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, cast, um, they are much like the showrunner, the core of the show. And so while you are able to question other people's needs some, yeah. from time to time, um, sometimes uh, you can't and shouldn't with people who's, for whom the entire show sort of relies on Definitely. their ability to, to be good with themselves and, and, and deliver a good performance. Um, you know, I, I think it's, yeah, it's hard to say when anything is too much. Yeah. <laughs> so let's kind of go backwards. You, you know, you started off in the theater background. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you did working in theater? Um, so, yeah, so I, I am sort of a, a playwright by background in mm-hmm. design. That's, uh, I guess, a part of my identity. Um, and uh, I went to school for playwriting. And um, while I was in school, met playwrights who were also working in television. And I guess I had never until I was sort of at the end of, you know, school, sort of considered, like, yeah, actually, if if I could, I would love to write f- for TV. Yeah. I just had felt like I was already on such a different trajectory mm-hmm. that I didn't realize. I, I mean, nowadays, everybody's like, oh, yeah, there's a playwright on almost every show. But, you know, uh, seven, eight years ago, the idea of, of playwrights really sort of entering the TV writing force. and Not like how it is now. Yeah, I mean, it was a sort of a cavalcade. It was, um, there's a ton of them now. And, and so uh, uh, John Robin Bates, who created the NBC show uh, Brothers and Sisters, um, mm-hmm. was uh, a teacher there um, at, at my school, which is the new school. And, uh, and Oh, I know a couple people there. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a great school. Uh, and after we had finished working together um, at the new school, I would just hit him up from time to time in the in the following year, maybe year and a half. Um, and I had just wrapped a New York Fringe Festival show um, and was looking for my next thing to do and reached out to him because I heard through the grapevine he might have a TV project going on. And he said, yeah, I'm doing this miniseries. Um, I will give your resume to the line producer, and we'll see what we can do. Mm-hmm. And then almost right away, the line producer 
Hit which was up. red. Which oh, is wow. Red. Yeah, which is red. Reached out to me and was like, hi, I got your resume from Robbie. Uh, I'm going to give it to our production coordinator. And then I met with the production coordinator. And yeah, a couple days later, I started my first office PA job. Um, so, yeah, I was sort of that classic knew somebody through the yeah. school that I went to. And, and unfortunately, there is a major pipeline when it comes to people who go to school in a city like L.A. or New York City. For sure having the opportunity to meet and work with working people in the industry exactly um like i said before one the other pas uh that i worked with on that miniseries had um studied with rudd at nyu because he would teach periodically see but i think that's awesome as far in that instance that you know like you can see the people who are going to that school and the professors are actually you know giving those students opportunities but i also think it'd be discouraging to some people especially if you've already been through your college experience and you're like did i miss the opportunity to make those And and i don't think that's true uh one of the production secretaries on Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt, or I think the production secretary, at least when I was working there, uh, his story I always thought was very funny because he got into um, TV sort of late in life. Ah, So did I. My first PA job, I was 27, Mm -hmm. uh, which for a lot of people, you know, some people think that's old. Um, (laughs) Because some people start, like, when they're, like, 21. Oh, yeah, some people right out of undergraduate, you know. But, um, again. But, uh but he, I forget what he had been doing, but, you know, he was, uh, I think, about 30 years old when he just walked up to um, what, a honey wagon on the street and just, what? like, caught a second as they were just coming out. Mm-hmm. It was like, listen, dude, I've been trying to get in TV for ages. Like, what do I, like, what do I need what, to what, do? What, what do I need to do? The guy was just like, all right, you know, we're going to need additionals on this show. Uh, give this guy your information. Start working on that show, like, a couple days later, and then met a UPM after having only been, uh, after having been a paperwork PA, I think, once. And the UPM was just like, oh, you would do, you would do great in the office. Like, you just have that personality. And literally just jumped from being paperwork PA to production secretary. Wow. Never had to do office PA stuff in between. Which, again, for somebody who starts late in, in, in TV, that, you know, I think that story is encouraging mm-hmm. because it shows that, you know, like if you do find yourself older getting into TV, yeah. uh, even though everybody has to sort of start at the bottom a little bit, your age and maturity might actually help you yeah, skip a stuff. Yeah, because you had other steps. jobs and, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. The, um, she's a production coordinator now, but she was a secretary, but she, her story was a little similar. I think she was walking, I don't know, the Jersey Shore or something, and I think she was saying they were filming, it was Jersey Shore, Um, and I think she walked into them and they were filming and just asked them or said something like, you know, she wanted to work in the industry, and I think that's how she got her job too, so sometimes those things kind of happen, you just, you honestly never know, you know what they say, shoot your shot. Exactly, and it it doesn't always work, you know, I think for every person, you know, for every person who actually gets an answer out of somebody on set, somebody else gets the middle finger, you know, that's just the job. Or that's just the... Because, again, uh, a lot of people want to work Work in in film and television. And not everybody, you know, knows why necessarily. Yeah, (laughs) or gets that opportunity. Yeah. So what is your, you know, ultimate career goal? Like, what do you want to do? Uh, So show running is really the end end game. Mm -hmm. uh, Or the ultimate goal. Um, Right now, again... um, because I did, I come from theater background, playwriting. I do want to be in a writer's room. Mm-hmm. That's just You're as hard. hard as anything else. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, it is 
once you realize it's it's gate after gate after gate and even working in television excuse me as a producer's assistant uh um you you don't always find those avenues into the writer's room um, yeah but uh it's not a clear path of right. how to get there and and honestly it is the writer's room I have never heard a single story similar in terms of how people get there. It just mm-hmm. seems like, so, you know, I mean, I shouldn't say that. Some people get in good old-fashioned yeah. pipelines from, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, but, um, but yeah, they, the end the uh, end game is to show run, but before that, sort of the plateau um, is uh, staff writing, you know, just sort mm. of getting into that world and understanding television and and figuring out the dynamics of a writer's room and the dynamics of the industry before then moving on to the next yeah. one which is your own show creating your own show uh and again people do that at entirely different stages in their lives um and uh and i think as a showrunner you are sort of splitting um, the line between being a producer in a real classic sense where mm-hmm. you're trying to help run the machine but also you are the creator yeah. um, and so uh, the creative part of things uh, managing the writer's room is always going to be the most important part but our showrunner and many showrunners um, are directly involved in the production problems that arise yeah. and, and the uh, decisions that have to be made about everything from casting to location to you know uh the executive producer uh often weighs in on Mm -hmm. this and so you're part of the whole the whole business i want to ask since you were the producer assistant and the writers would come in when it was their episode did you get the opportunities to talk to some of the writers when they were here i did uh and honestly to talk about different ways of of you know, connecting with writers, if getting to the writer's room is what you want. I had a um, script coordinator job that I thought would have, you know, gotten Got me in touch with the writers, but uh, v- um, compared to this job, almost not at all. See, that's uh, so interesting. You would think, I mean, for those who don't know, can you explain what a script coordinator is and uh, why you thought it would obviously well, give I, you more access to them? You know, a script coordinator traditionally is sort of the uh, end of the line in the writer's room process. Mm-hmm. Once somebody um, finishes their draft, it goes to the script coordinator for um, editing, uh, locking the script, sort of um, giving it all the bells and whistles it needs to be an official draft, uh, and then doing the distribution, however that, you yeah. know... And sometimes what happens is you can find script coordinator jobs that are only part of that package, that somebody does the editing and all you're doing is distributing. Oh, and, wow. And yeah, it can get chopped up. A lot of the lower-rung jobs these days are getting chopped up. into. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you were a script coordinator on one crew list, but then you looked on another crew list and you were listed as script PA, so you never really knew. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, but, you know, there's a lot of that yeah. that goes on. Uh, but... Um, you know, on this job, again, it's the, the nature of having to be a, a, a communicator and your responsibilities being a little bit more nebulous um, just gave me, I think, opportunities to create reasons to interact mm-hmm. with um, writers. And uh, and being the producer's assistant, you can float, I think, a little bit more. Again, yeah. it depends on the needs of your producer. Rudd you know, some producer's assistant are the desk outside their office on the phone waiting. Yeah. You know, that's what they do, uh, which has its own merits um, and its own challenges. 
and then but I would float a little bit more um, mm-hmm. I would go down sort of to set spend some time there come back up check in with him see if he needed anything and he'd check in with me in terms of you know what's it what's going on down there yeah. is there you heard you know any issues etc cetera, etc cetera. have any of the writers given you any cool advice or you know what are some of the conversations that you guys have had that you think you know might help you in your journey uh I think our showrunner Ken has been very good about talking um just uh explaining the different ways that from this position you can um get into the writer's room hmm, you know like he, what? uh he's just uh one of the things he explained is how um how valuable pilots are in terms oh, of wow. uh just sort of getting the job you want when the sh- show actually goes to series um and uh connecting with the showrunner during that period building a relationship so that when the time comes they have to build their office mm. you're already there ready to go they don't have to look yeah. for somebody who's an assistant it's, there's somebody there who's capable they know they're capable and they also know the show already mm-hmm. and he says that that's how his assistant on this show out in LA says that's how they uh, got their job uh, wow as his assistant um, that's a very interesting perspective yeah and uh and so then follow you know he followed up with that by explaining all the resources for finding out when these pilots are happening what's going to series you know help me um determine who i already knew in the studio and the network who might have the information i need mm-hmm. um and things like that so yeah i think uh i think he's been helpful in that regard but the other advice i've gotten uh i think is again just the um the usual advice that you're always going to get um which is a always be writing again yeah. easier said than done especially when you do 12 <laughs> you're, 14 yeah. hour days uh-huh but again there are people <laughs> who so do, there are people who do that and it's a real sort of uncomfortable and painful thing to sort of look at yourself and go like if i don't come home after 14 hours and get to work you know somebody else is somebody, somebody else, else is, has yeah. gathered that you know and so like Either I can be blind to the level of competition that's out there or, you know, or rest on the the thought that, you know, any script I throw together having not yeah. might be good enough. But They yeah. always say uh, don't, you know, like spend 10 hours working for somebody else and not like spend any time working on, you know, right. your own stuff. But again, easier said than done. I'm yeah. not great at doing that. Uh, for me, I have to cram all my writing into weekends or, yeah. or or days off or for instance i'm gonna have a little time off here hopefully just a little little time off here um with the show ending a couple of weeks that i intend to treat like um like i'm still going to work put yeah. in eight to twelve hours a day just uh catching up with the writing that i've been what kind of stories do you want to create uh, dramas our dramas are really sort of where i'm going towards would love to work in a comedy but i don't feel like i necessarily that's a whole other <laughs> you know realm of people yeah you know, ucb like comedy writers people who write for things like unbreakable kimmy schmidt like they have you know they have comedy writing sketch yeah. writing backgrounds like that's a whole different sort of school of, mm-hmm. of, of thought that i come from as, a, as somebody who comes from the theater you know again a, a drama uh, I am a little bit of a sci-fi nerd, so working on like a sci-fi drama would be great. Star mm-hmm. Trek Discovery, I'm available. Um, if but, you're listening, Danny <laughs> yeah. Carroll is available. Did you hear uh, him? And, but but also just very uh, human stories. Yeah. Um, uh, what am I watching right now? What's my favorite? Babylon Berlin. 
uh, I absolutely adore. Um, I never heard of that. Oh, it's great. It's on Netflix. It's a German show. I gotta um, check it out. I loved Mad Men when it was on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, stuff that is, uh, you know, period dramas that are also just a little bit sexy. Uh, yeah. I love Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. That also sort of leans into a comedy uh, category. But, you know, that sort of thing where, where you're telling uh, compelling uh, human stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have a couple questions. Um, that I was asking around and I want to make sure we get to some of those. So I think for you, we did talk, talk a little bit about how much of this job for you was personal Mm -hmm. assisting versus production assistant. Did you have to do any, I guess, like, I don't know if you want to call it like picking up dry cleaning or was there any level of like being a personal assistant to him or was it really all just focused on the production? It was mostly pro- fo- focused on the production. There were never big, like something like picking up a dry cleaning. No, mm-hmm. we would never, he would never do anything like that. But um, in the office, you know, he had a pretty nice coffee set up uh, and, you know, he liked to keep that water filled. He mm-hmm. liked to keep the, you know, recycling the pods and everything. So, so just coming in and touching up that area yeah. and making sure that was all good and you know he, he f- would frequently have um espresso cups go missing because somebody would carry it off to their office <laughs> and I would have to hunt it down. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Little things like yeah. that. But but um no it was never so much that you felt like you were getting dragged into their life. Yeah. You know? And again you can see that from time to that time. That varies. I, I've know? heard you know depends on the producer mm-hmm. for sure. Mhm. Absolutely. Let's see what else. I know you talked a little bit about floating. So how much were you working in the office versus how much were you on set? Um for this production our line producer focused on prepping the next episode more than he would focus on the currently shooting episode. Okay. I think he had enough trust in his executive producers and his ADs uh, and his UPM that that um, side of things could just, once it was ready to shoot, he could sort of let that go a little bit mm-hmm. and sort of keep it in the corner of his eye. So we were in the office most of the time. Rarely would we go out to... Um, location when we were shooting away from the stages unless there was a particularly difficult scene we were shooting um if there was somebody on set that day for instance again another uh government official paying a visit we might go out there for a little while um or i might just go out there on my own to um you know any sort of reason we had wrap gift things i would go out there to help people like size the things that we were buying and and just again, if if, um, if the task required that I go out and meet with people there, we would often have um, what's called EPK, electronic press kit. It's uh, you have studio uh, or network people having uh, publicity come in to okay. do interviews mm-hmm. or B-roll and things like that. And again, you need to manage their relationship with the pre-existing shoot taking place. And so I would be the point person to go mm-hmm. there if they needed anything. They would come to me, and if the production needed them out of the way or needed anything from them, they'd come to me. Just making yeah. sure there was somebody there that everybody could go to, so that you know they weren't searching for each other or you know trying to figure yeah. out who was responsible for what. Um, you know, because again, especially on a uh, network production or something that's big like that, you have a lot of um, things coming in from the network, coming in from the studio Definitely. that have um, you know that have everything to do with the product that is the show, which is promoting the show, and have little to do with the actual creation of the show, yeah. you know, so. Do you feel like this job has, you know, helped you um, with your ultimate career goals? Absolutely, because again, it's uh, it's about developing relationships, mm-hmm. and it's about 
um, just getting to know not only the individuals, but uh, deepening your understanding of what role everybody is playing in this. You know, I think I learned more about what a uh, a costume designer or a props designer Mm. day-to-day things entail because they would bring problems to the line producer that you don't really see when you're in office PA and things like that. You don't really uh, understand exactly what their struggles are exactly. and what they're really doing. And, and coming to understand the scope of what everybody else is doing, um, I think, was really illuminating. Uh, and also just, you know, it's a big deal when you get onto another show and you know half the people there already. Yeah. When you can build a rapport with a crew that fast because you know and like everyone. Or, or they or, like or, you. Or know and like them enough so that you are good, you know, colleagues and collaborators. Um you are afforded more of an opportunity to do that when you're a producer's assistant. Mm-hmm. Office PA or, or, you know, again, sometimes you're yoked to uh, the sort of brainstem that is the production office and yeah. and, um, and can miss out on, on sort of opportunities to uh, just deepen your relationship with people yeah. that aren't in the production office. Um so yeah, so it, it's it definitely is different from being an office PA in that way mm-hmm. uh, significantly. What do you think make makes a good producer's assistant? Uh, <laughs> um, I think you were a good one, you know. But what are those qualities? Um, you know, you can look at yourself or what you've observed, you know, from others. You know, what makes a good one? If you can be, if you can demonstrate an air of being receptive to everybody if people feel like they can go to you but also if you if you're if the person you are assisting also feels like they can Mm -hmm. you know hand off anything to you and you'll find a way to get it done um yeah if you're somebody who isn't afraid to ask a lot of questions who isn't afraid to paint exactly what they don't understand about something in an effort to help them understand that thing um, and again, I think that just boils down to what we've been saying this whole time. If you feel you're a good communicator, if you feel like you're good with people, and you're, you know, marginally organized, then you'd be good at this job. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you did a good job at this job? Uh, I think I, mm-hmm. I got a passing grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, and I, I enjoyed this, I think, more than any any show I've worked on. Yeah. Um, so I think that really... You feel like you grew a lot? Yes. And I think that's that at the end of the day is the, what demonstrates the most and is most important. Yeah, like if you've learned more and you've grown from a job, you yeah. feel like you really... You know, mm-hmm. that really meant something impacted mm-hmm. you for sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a couple last things I want to touch upon. Um, somebody sent this message and I thought it was really important. And I'm not, I can't word it exactly how they worded it, but... We talked about the long hours that this industry and this job can demand on us. So during this whole process of working for seven, eight months, um, you know, how do you stay sane or, you know what I mean, like manage your own life going through all the craziness? (laughs) Uh, You don't always, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you, everybody when they're deep into a production reaches a point where they're like, oh my God, I can't tell night from day. I can't tell where my life starts and the production ends. Um, But um, I think really taking advantage of the time that you do have on the weekends, uh, if you are tempted by 
the idea of just sort of shutting down for two days so that you can gather your wits about you, that I think the weekend will be gone before you know it and you won't have actually gathered the energy you think you need. I yes. Think. Oh my yeah. gosh, yes. It's important to spend time with your friends who aren't in production. It's important yeah. to spend time with family excuse me, with family who isn't in production. Uh, and, um, yeah, just take care of yourself. Unfortunately, even with these 14-hour schedules, like, uh, I found that waking up at, you know, 4.30 in the morning just to make it to the gym to, for 45 minutes made hmm. all the difference in the rest of the day because, you know, it's here you have to still maintain these things that you would have to maintain even if you had a 9 to 5. Yeah. Um, and that's a huge challenge. And it's also, again, um, not to get too political, but I, I think this industry demands a lot of its assistant class. You know, are the non-union folks, the yeah. people um, who are putting in all of this time and who are devoting all of their lives to what is, at the end of the day, the minimal compensation a, yeah. a studio <laughs> or network is, is willing to give. Um, you have to see a sincere commitment in that if somebody is willing to stick it out season after season, show after show. Yeah. Um, but plan for time between shows. You're going to feel like you got to hustle all yeah. the time. But I think it's important to right. take a few weeks exactly. off. I'm telling you, even when I felt like, oh, God, nobody's got work for me, Nothing's ever going to come. That's the freelance life. It's going to come. Yeah, you're going to yeah. get the job. You just have to be better prepared for, for the periods mm -hmm. um, and recognize that they're valuable because then you can do the things that you can't do uh, when you're working. Yeah. You had a really cool experience, and I'm going to say where. I don't know if I can even say, but... <laughs> I don't know. I on our, right? So, like, on our season finale, we got to film somewhere that wasn't in New Jersey. We got mm -hmm. to go to a really cool location. Mm -hmm. Um can you tell us about that experience? I mean, how that was for you, what it meant for you to be able to go, you know, somewhere else and film um, as a producer's assistant? I think uh, it, again, helped deepen professional relationships with mm -hmm. the people I went on the trip with. Um, because you are whittled down to bare minimum crew that you already know, sort of... Um, uh, uh, um, and you know, you, with with other crew members from the from the local area, they're yeah. sort of fill in the blanks, uh, and I think that feeling of everybody being away from home and sort of everybody sort of being in the same boat, it uh, further equalized the situation, and and I found hmm. myself getting into real uh, sort of deep conversations after work every given night with the with the directors and the ads and, wow. and the um, you know, and I think that. Uh, that was probably the most valuable part of it. Um, and also just getting to see what a, uh, you know, a, a Because that was your first time in that, yeah, that place. First time, I've ever, first time I've ever gotten on a plane for work. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the best And they paid it. for it. Yeah, it's a, ostensibly a business trip, yeah. which, you know, felt very, <laughs> like, thankfully, very yeah. mature. Yeah. <laughs> Were but you yeah. excited when you found out that you were going, though? I didn't let myself get excited because... You just... Because yeah. you... At, I mean, on a show, on any show, yeah. things could get cut at a moment's notice because you, the budget is always... You're predicting something. The I felt that you from you, to too. It. You were like... Yeah. Like, you never let you yourself... Like, Again, guys, I'm going to go. You have to be... You know, you have to have that 
assistant humility mm-hmm. and recognize that if there's anybody who's going to get cut from especially a trip, it's probably going to be you. Yeah. So uh, very thankful that the producers found me valuable enough to keep me on this mm-hmm. uh, on this trip. Um, that, I think, was, uh, yeah, really uh, was a good affirmation. Yeah. Two last things that I definitely want to talk about, um, because people always want to ask. Um, they love hearing about the castle, you know. Any cool thing that you can share about, like, Morris and Jennifer um, without, you know, not saying anything bad, but, like, that you want to share with people? Like, are they really cool to work with? Or, you know, just any cool things you can share with your interactions that you have with them? Uh, They're both very gracious. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I think, you know, when you have leads that you can see are um, considering the crew and just trying to think about, how they're feeling at any given time. I think mm-hmm. I think they're both good at that. And everybody um, who worked with them closely uh, seemed to be enjoying their time whenever I was down on set. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and I think uh, they're both delivering real powerhouse performances. Uh, and so getting to witness sort of that level of, of professionalism, sort of getting... Um, the little glances at their process that mm-hmm. I got to throughout this was also really illuminating. Because, uh, again, when you have a show, your leads are sometimes as important. Yeah. Often, not, oftentimes, especially as you grow with a show, become more important than, you know, the showrunner. Or, you mm-hmm. know, they are, again, the, the beating heart. And so you learn um, a lot about what the show is going to be uh, by watching them and their work. So, yeah. Yeah. What is some advice they can give people um, who want to become a producer's assistant? Like, where can they go? Because we talked about that a little, a little bit. But where do you think they can go to find these opportunities? Um, what do you think they need to do, you know, to become a good producer's assistant? I mean, office PA for a while, if mm-hmm. you can. Uh, if you are on set, um, it's not impossible. I've known uh, set PAs who have jumped over to being writer's PAs mm-hmm. and, and, and so forth. So, um, you know... I guess just uh, make, if you're already in production and this is, you know that's what your next step is, mm-hmm. make that known um, to the line producer on the show you're currently working with. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, have that at one point sort of just like grab there and be like, hey, just, you know, by the way, um, you know, I'm interested in, in being a producer's assistant. So, you know, at the end of the show, um, I'd love to give you my resume and have you pass it on to anyone who you think might uh, be looking for an assistant. Hmm, that's um, really smart. Yeah. Again, don't be afraid of doing that because as often as people are just going to take that resume and go, okay, whatever, and totally forget about it, you, you might catch people at just the right moment and you might have made enough of an impression on them over the time at a, uh, on a production that they really will feel uh, compelled to connect you to mm-hmm. somebody who's looking for an assistant or looking you know, to fill that position. Yeah. Um, be, uh, be diligent um, and talk to people and make your make it known what you want to do make it know what you want to know but never seem like that's what you're you know <laughs> you never want to see come across as like Man, I, I hate this job i yeah. am so much better <laughs> than what i'm doing right now like please save me yeah. from this drudgery <laughs> like don't be like that ever you um, have to be smooth about it guys for yeah. sure and just i mean in life period you got to walk with a little humility yeah so I think no matter what. Yeah. 
So before we finish, I always like to ask, can you share any cool experiences, not even with this job, it doesn't have to be just around this, but any cool things that you can share with the audience um, that you have had while working in this industry? Any cool things that have happened to you or that you've witnessed? Um, anything, anything you want to share? Cool stories, funny things? Oh, man. Crazy things? That's a hard I know one. you got some, Danny, so you got you to gotta share something with us. Ugh, I wish I hadn't thought more about this. I'm sure there's something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you do... Yeah, you're working it long enough, you'll find yourself in situations where you're like, oh man, if only I had known at the time. Like for instance, Rami Malek, uh, I worked on him with Mr. Rob on Mr. Robot. That's the one who he just won Best Actor for Bohemian Rhapsody. Helped him and his brother move out of the Ludlow, and it was just like a brief little thing. But you know, chatted with him, and I thought the show was cool. But then in retrospect, you're sort of like, all right, I wasn't a, I was just sort of casually just chatting with him, helping a. now Oscar winner movie yeah. out and things like that. Like, I worked on The Slap, like, getting to meet people that you grew up as seeing as movie stars. Like, just getting to interact with Uma Thurman when I worked on The Slap was cool. What is, and I never heard of uh, that. Yeah, it was the first miniseries I ever oh, worked okay. on. It was Rudd's first show. It was mm-hmm. NBC, short short run, but it was a, you know, huge cast. Really star-studded. Um, but, uh, you know what? I don't want to say that stuff is the coolest stuff because uh, it really is... Um, you know, I, I do have to say watching the Meadowlands Arena transform on the mm. show and getting to be there on the very first meetings when, you know, when in your life are you going to be there in the conversation for somebody who wants to rent an entire arena? Yeah. You know, it's like that kind of, you're like, you forget how much the, or you don't realize how much those conversations are like any other <laughs> rental conversation mm-hmm. moving into a small office. You know, they're still sort of the same things that you're thinking about. And watching us build this stage and 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 find all of these different ways to use all of the different corridors yeah. and and staircases. And like, did you ever think your office would be a a, a suite? No, that was, it was so cool. <laughs> Having almost a whole year sitting in a skybox yeah. every day. I mean, it's the same view, but it's I mean, it's an indoor view, but it's it's still very cool. Yeah. Um, so I wish you know I wish I could remember some sort of you know, big, crazy thing that happened on a show, but um, really it's just, yeah, it's this learning, Mm -hmm. it's the learning process and and accumulating these memories so that at a certain point you're on your fifth job and you're like, God, I haven't, I'm I'm not moving fast enough, I'm not getting where I need to be, and then you look back and you're like, but I also had all these little tiny, like, I'm in this world in a way I wasn't five years ago yeah like i'm doing things right now that me five years ago would be like yeah yes exactly that's mm-hmm. what i want to be doing uh and just having appreciation appreciation even if you're not having it in the moment it's happening to you mulling it over and going yeah yeah i'm allowed to say that was that was cool yeah that was cool uh and letting yourself say yeah that's what, i guess that's why i'm doing this because mm-hmm. from the outside this is what i wanted to do yeah yeah and appreciating so any last uh parting words anything else you want to share anything else danny carroll wants to say um, this is your time now danny speak up tell, <laughs> tell anybody whatever you want to say let it be known now uh it's the same thing i have to re- remind myself every single day which is everybody's on their own path and everybody's on their own timing and there are so many things in this industry that can make you feel like you're too old or just too unqualified for. But like anything else, you just got to keep your nose to the grindstone, stick with it, and don't lose the dream. So. Yeah. 
Well, guys, there you have it. Danny Carroll, I think that's where we're going to end it. Um, before we even go, I can say I, I agree with you there. I mean, you just sometimes feel like it's not going to happen or you just don't appreciate where you are. And mm-hmm. then I have to take those moments where I'm like, two years ago, I dreamed that I would be here, you know, and <laughs> yeah. now I'm here and I'm like wishing that I was there. Exactly. You know, but you just got to have those moments of appreciation. So, Danny, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yes, of cool. course. I enjoy talking to you again. Like I said, if you guys have seen Danny, he always looks so professional and <laughs> so well put together, so well dressed, always calm. Yeah. Fake it till um, you make it. And to be honest, I can totally see you going all the way, Danny. You have that something about you um, that I haven't, you know, seen yet. Even just seeing other producers' assistants, for sure. Um, I, very I'm mature. Taking that to the bank, I appreciate. Yeah, very mature, <laughs> and you handle it very well. So, everybody, I hope you guys enjoyed the second episode of season two with Danny. I hope you guys learned something, um, and definitely let us know what you thought about it. Hit Danny up on Facebook, wherever, yeah, um, and just tune in for sure. So, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, if you want, you can put my email in like the thing. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely. Take, I'll include Danny's I'll email and... um, if you guys want to ask him anything. He's super cool. Um, and he has a lot of experience, so don't be afraid to reach out to me or him. And again, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Bye.